Ladies and gentlemen, welcome again aboard the BYU Hype Train podcast. The boys are back, man. Let's go. Let's go. It is, it is good to be with you all again. It has been over a month. We haven't talked to you guys since before the bowl game. It has been way too long. Uh, so, brethren, what have you guys? What have you guys been up to? Well, we certainly weren't going to talk anything BYU after the bowl game because that was a disaster. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think we all just went into hiding. And that concludes our uh, Independence Bowl coverage for the BYU Hype Train <laughs> podcast. Thanks, Hunter, was, for that synopsis. It was so bad, even the Hype Train conductors had to had to take a step back <laughs> and reassess. No, you know, but I sometimes mean, sometimes the train just has like small malfunctions along the way. You just got to take it in for a tune-up, uh, and sometimes the queue, you just got to leave it in the shop for a couple weeks, and then you come back and it's good as new. Yeah, well, I mean. At the risk of this all coming out that this is all just excuses and we really were hiding. I mean, obviously it was Christmas break, stuff's going on, people going back home with families. You, Joe, went to the Rose Bowl. Uh, speaking of bowl games, that that one ended up great for us, I think, <laughs> um, just how we wanted it. That, but, that was... Uh, it was also how I predicted. I, I, I sent out a tweet that morning. It's like, Utah fans, hope you have a lot of fun today. Wish my team was playing in the Rose Bowl. May your uh, loss be, or may you uh, play just well enough to have hope, but then have your hopes crushed at the end or something <laughs> Perfect, like that. Beautiful. It was exactly how I wanted it to turn out. I was sitting I was... there with my Rose Bowl sweatshirt that was just like completely neutral, a la uh, yeah, you didn't wear Chris Traeger wearing the NFL. You. No, I, Joe... I was wearing it. I was wearing it underneath. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my dad saw me wear it and like there were like I was so Hunter for for reference, Hunter gave me a Ohio State t-shirt to wear. And my girlfriend, oh, oh, uh, is that the, the breaking news music I hear? Uh my now fiance as of last night. Let's get a quick let's go. Clap it up, clap it up. Uh somehow I convinced her that that is the biggest recruiting win of 2020, <laughs> 2021 is uh is it was uh, Michaela. So it Shout out to Michaela. Seconds. Hope you're listening. It would have been second. A true, a, a true five star. A true five star. A true five star. And one of those stars was the ring that I gave her. If you know, you know. Um, <laughs> but but anyways, Michaela is a big uh, Ohio State fan. Uh, or Ohio State's her second team. But um, like when I put on the shirt that morning, my dad asked me like five different times, Joe, are you really going to wear that? Like, are you really going to wear that? And I could see the pain in his eyes. Um, and it just, it hurt me too much. And so at the Rose Parade, they were selling uh, Rose Bowl tea. They were selling like these really cool Rose Bowl sweatshirts. And it was actually navy blue, which worked out perfectly. So uh, I am now the, we, we got matching Rose Bowl sweatshirts. So I was out there uh, looking like the, what, what's the actor's name? Uh, Rob Lowe. Wearing the, yeah, just NFL wearing like hat. the NFL hat in the stands. That's how I felt. Um, and we're surrounded by Utah fans, obviously. And at a certain point during the game, they just looked at me like, who are you cheering for? <laughs> they obviously they didn't know go who you sports. Were. Yeah, go sports. You're Ohio um, State? Uh, no, it was definitely Ohio State. I mean, yeah. we, we just didn't want to like rub it in anyone's faces. So after touchdowns, like Michaela and I would look at each other, just give like a small fist bump. But uh no. It was a heck of a game, though. Heck of a game. <laughs> I was in uh, uh, I was in France at the time of the game, so it was at like ooh. two, three in the morning. Oh, nice. So obviously, wasn't going to stay up and watch it, but uh, waking up to the news of that final score was the best part of that trip. So the question is: Is Joseph Smith and Jigba uh, the all-time hype train Jackson? MVP? Or Joseph he... Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, didn't I say in Jigba? You said Joseph Smith in Jigba. Oh, Jackson. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> Joseph Smith's on the brain. Sorry, guys. It's I'm come, a little I'm a little like cloudy. A, you just come from an elders' quorum meeting or something? <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, guys. I'm a little cloudy. I actually just got over COVID this week, so uh, and yet another reason why we haven't recorded in the last month. So, um, but, but yeah, also yeah, Jackson Smith. <laughs> Also, shout out Joseph Smith is the hype train MVP first and <laughs> yes. foremost. We wouldn't be here without without brother Joseph. Uh, but yes, Jackson Smith and Jigba, that okay, that like real talk, that was incredible to watch. It and just, that was their third string. Imagine if Chris Olave had played or Garrett how Wilson. good 
how good are those two if ja- Jackson Smith and Jigba is fourth string? And then uh, Marvin Harrison's kid, he was a baller. Oh, yeah. Like, he, like, didn't even play at all this year either. Like, that's – like, that's what, what people don't understand is, like, half of Ohio State starters were sitting out this game and still won. They had their two best offensive players out. I believe their starting running back was out too because they are all preparing for the NFL draft. They had a couple starters along the defensive line sitting out to prepare for the NFL draft, which makes all the that much more sweeter. Yeah, but we don't talk about Utah on this podcast. We're not a Utah podcast. <laughs> no, we do not. Uh, but well, yeah, uh, <laughs> find find joy in the little things. Happy New Year to all. Uh, but Can I just yeah, say, go ahead. This is one thing I want to say about everything the sweet satisfaction that comes with knowing that in utah's super bowl season when they finally did what they had been waiting over a decade to do that season ended with a grand total of zero non-conference fbs wins (laughs) they did not beat an fbs team outside of the pac-12 and that was like their super bowl dream season so when we say the little things like that such is such a chef's kiss on on the uh, 2021 football season. As as a matter of fact, hey Siri, how many days has it been since September 10th, 2019? 870 days ago, Utah has not beaten an FBS <laughs> non-conference opponent in 870 days. So yeah, shout they out to the there. dream season. Great job, big Utes. boy. Good job. Up. Proud of you. <laughs> Proud of you. Uh, anyway, that's that. And that concludes I mean, our Utah a, coverage on the UAB UAB a, podcast. <laughs> you lost a UAB, but whatever. Who cares? We're all miserable. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, but no, uh, I guess like season conclusion, uh, since we didn't have a chance to like do a wrap up or anything like that. Um, a lot has happened in the last month as far as BYU news goes. Um, BYU signed a uh, transfer running back from Cal, uh, Chris Brooks, uh, formerly Chris Brown, um, was Cal's leading rusher two out of the last three years. Dude's a bowling ball, um, who reminds me a lot of, uh, I'm trying to like a little bit of Harvey Unga in him. He's, he's like, he's, he's a physical runner. He's a patient runner, but he's just not as fast as Tyler Algier. So like, don't expect a ton of breakaways. But like I'm just I'm dreaming of the wishbone offense like on fourth and one with uh, Chris Brooks in the background, Houston Hemuli uh, at fullback, Mason Wake at fullback, and then uh, Kingsley Suamataia uh, also lining up at fullback, and we just <laughs> go like full diamond formation into the end zone. Uh, I, I think that I think that should just be our full offense this year. Just start running the army offense. The wing T. It's <laughs> called full triple option. No, we, uh, I'm going to be, obviously, you know, as Joe mentioned, formerly, formerly known as Chris Brown, obviously he changed his name for a reason. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm going to miss, no, I'm going to miss calling him Chris Brown. I just, Disavow. I just think there, there was just so much opportunity there. Um, whether that be songs after every first down that he gets, but, uh, well, just just that little Dicky song or that little Dicky song where it's like, woke up Chris Breezy, yeah. oh my gosh, the man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like I'm saying, I'm Chris Brown. That would have been fun, but we'll take we'll take Chris Brooks too. We'll take anybody at this point to replace Tyler Algier. So, I mean, that was their BYU's biggest question, right? Heading into this offseason was who's going to replace Tyler Algier and. They answered that in the first, <laughs> within the first like two three weeks of the off season. Yeah. So, I mean, from here on out, everything else is just is just silver linings and and added bonuses. So, that's true. I will say uh, to to add to kind of Joe's initial thoughts uh, on Chris Brooks. Um, one of the other things that I really enjoyed about his film, uh, like you said, physical runner. Uh, lacks top speed, but I think something that he does really well uh, that is maybe more towards a uh, Katoa like player is he's got great hands. Uh, he's able to receive out of the backfield really well, um, has good body control, uh, knows what the sideline is. And, and I think just 
uh, for any any quarterbacks on our team that that play, whether it be you know Jaron Conover, whoever, you know, being able to have another option outside of that stacked wide receivers room is is huge, and to have it be a guy that's that's big and strong um, and can be physical uh, catching the ball as well. I think that's a a great addition to the offense. Yeah, absolutely. I, he, like I said, he, he's, he reminds me a lot of, of Harvey Unga. He's probably a little smaller. Um, I can't remember what the the height differences were between the two, but uh, I think that the biggest thing that sticks out at me when I watch, uh, you know, Chris Brooks on tape is just his patience. Like more than anything, what I wanted from, from a running back and what I admired most about Tyler was that he wait like he he was just such a patient runner. He waited for the play to develop and then he hit the hole hard. And that's the first thing I noticed about Chris Brooks is that's the way he runs. He just doesn't necessarily have that top end speed. But to be honest, I don't think you need to in this offense because you got uh, like the, the strength of this offense this year is the offensive line. This could be one of the best offensive lines in school history and honestly one of the deepest. And so I I don't see any problem with with holes being there. It's just a matter of, do you have a running back that can find him? Um, and so you don't need the big home run threat. Uh, BYU's offense, quite honestly, is built more for, like at this point is built more for the ground and pound, just like churn out the clock. But like when you need a running back at the end of games to go and get, sorry, to go and get you the win on that four minute offense drive. I think Chris Brooks can be that guy, especially behind this offensive line. So we'll see how, we'll see how it looks. Uh, Miles Davis is coming back off an injury this year. Um, he's probably going to be your, uh, him and uh, Jackson McChesney are probably going to be your, uh, your speed burner guys. Um, but it's looking like we're going to go a little bit quarterback or sorry, running back by committee, uh, which honestly is okay with this offense. When you got Gunner Puka, uh, Keanu Hill, and, uh, you know, Cody Hagan, Chase Roberts uh, hanging on the outsides, um, which really the the, the, the offense is going to run through Jaron Hall a lot more this year. Yeah, I, yeah. I think oh, I was just going to say real quick as well, like to go along with the offensive line. I mean, something that I think one of the reasons really why our op- our run game has improved so much over the last couple of years is it just seems like the receivers have really – brought it upon themselves to block um, and not to not only block, but to block well uh, to, to know where the run lanes are going on, on different run plays and being able to seal their guy to the outside of that play to make sure that they're a non-factor. And to go back to what you were saying, Joe, you know, even if you don't have top end speed, if everybody else on the team is doing their job um, and blocking where they're supposed to, and, and keeping to that block scheme, uh, he's still going to be able to break break a big one. And I think we're going to be able to see a couple of those this year. Um, It just might take a little bit more uh, from the receivers downfield, picking up the corners and the safeties uh, to best be able to make sure that Chris Brooks can get as, as free as he possibly can. I mean, the biggest, the biggest thing to watch with Chris is going to be just health, right? I mean, he, he had an injury shortened 2020 season. He was, a little bit banged up to start 2021, which impacted his carries. And as we all know, athletes don't necessarily come to BYU and get healthier and start avoiding injuries. This is right? true. Like it's, it, it seems like, you know, they come to BYU and, you know, the BYU doesn't necessarily have the best track record uh, when it comes to players being able to be healthy for an entire season, especially lately. The good news is that BYU's schedule isn't front-loaded like it's been in the past. Yes, you have early games against Baylor and Oregon, but you start the season against USF and you have those two tough games. One's a home game against Baylor, then you're on the road against Oregon, but then you got Wyoming and Utah State, a couple of Mountain West teams before you head down to Las Vegas to play Notre Dame, and then you're back home in Provo to play Arkansas. Then you got Liberty, East Carolina, again, a couple of easier games before you go up to Boise State, then a bye week and Dixie State before you head to Palo Alto to play Stanford. So it's a little more spaced out. It's not front loaded. So hopefully we shouldn't see guys being banged up by week five, just because you're not going to be playing four or five straight power five opponents to start the year. But it's always concerning and I think at least worth keeping an eye on when you have a guy who's had a significant injury in their career already um, and then comes to BYU. Cause like I said, you know, even Puka Nakua had injury issues this last year. Jaron Hall hasn't been able to play an entire season healthy. 
Tyler Algier was pretty banged up at the end, but played through some stuff. Like it, BYU has an injury problem, at least the last few years. And so that's the one concern I probably would have with Chris Brooks is can he play an entire season and remain healthy? The good news is, is that he's been a three year starter and like the primary back for the last three years at Cal, which tells me that despite being injured and despite coming off injury, he was still talented enough to remain the number one guy in Berkeley, which, I mean, I don't know if that tells us more about Chris Brooks or the running back situation at Cal, <laughs> but, you know, that's at least a good sign when a guy can continue to be that Cal Cowbell running back for a program, despite suffering an injury that causes them to lose time. Yeah. with And with Chris Brooks, especially, I think one thing that will help is he's not going to be getting the bulk of the carries. Um, this isn't this, he's not going to be a Tyler Algier hand the ball to him, you know, 25 times to 30 times a game, um, and, and make him go win it for you. Like we, we did with Tyler, like it's very much going to be a, a split carries more in the, the vein of like what we saw, uh, after Tyson went down in, in 2019, where you, you were maybe getting like each running back, maybe 10, 12 touches. Um, and if you could do that, that was a successful game. And with, with the way BYU's offense runs, running the, the jet sweep as much as they do, um, I think you're going to see Puka Nakua a lot more in, as, as a feature in the running game as well. Uh, he's, I mean, he's certainly not Debo Samuel, but like we might see him, if he can stay healthy, we might see him play a little bit more of that role. Um, I, I'm super high on... I'm high on the running back room. It's not going to be as good as it was this year. Like don't expect anyone to come in and, uh, and repeat Tyler Algier. Cause like legitimately if Tyler Algier stayed for another year, he would have broken Jamal Williams rushing record in three years as a starting running back. Like he, he's in my, for my money, he's a top three running back to ever come through BYU. Um, and he just broke Luke Staley's rushing records, uh, for a single season, which I would argue is BYU's best running back ever. So um, don't expect that, but I, I still think there's a lot of productivity to be had in this running back room. Did take a few more games than Luke did it in. Luke did it in like 10, 11 games. Tyler also Altier did it in what, like 13, 14. So. Also true. But um, speaking of transfers, uh, the real reason you guys are probably listening to the show is there is a certain transfer quarterback um, that has been teased as having interest in BYU, uh, namely Jackson Dart. Um, for those of you who don't uh, know a lot of the details behind the scenes, um, he was a uh, originally he was a, a BYU recruit. BYU was all, definitely in the mix in his early commitment. Uh, was in his top five. Uh, was depending on who you listen to, he was either the second choice or the third choice, but it doesn't matter because he ended up going to USC. Um, and with the hiring of Lincoln Riley and the impending coming of Caleb Williams, uh, Jackson Dart entered the transfer portal. Um, the national media says it's been between uh, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, and uh, and BYU has kind of been on the back burner. Um, what we do know is that he visited Ole Miss and Oklahoma, and then he called uh, BYU a few week, uh, a few days later and said, "Hey, I want to come visit." So he did visit BYU. Um, I, I understand that it, the visit went really well, um, but uh, you know, as as recruiting sometimes goes, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Like it's it's not like so. Tonight, reports started leaking that uh, Jackson Dart was uh, accepted into Ole Miss. There's no like con there's no confirmation that he's committed, uh, so we don't really know yet. But like it's sounding like the writing's on the wall, and that Jackson Dart's going to Ole Miss. Um, kind of want to get you guys preliminary thoughts on that. Like, is this the end of the world as it relates to the future of the BYU quarterback room? Like what kind of a blow is not getting Jackson dart to this offense? Uh, we'll start with you, Hunter. Is it a big blow for 2022? Not really. I mean, you know, Jaron Hall was going to be the returning starter. Um, is it a big blow for 2023 and 2024? Possibly, probably. I mean, it, we'll see who, if BYU can bring in anyone else. But I mean, I know Jacob Conover has been a highly rated guy and, you know, a lot of expectations and a lot of uh, excitement surrounding his, uh, his potential and his ceiling as a BYU quarterback. But 
I mean, unproven, doesn't have a lot of experience. I was unimpressed with what he did in his limited action this season against Utah State. Uh, You know, the the BYU offense really struggled to move the ball, except for that one big Tyler Algier run in that second half when Baylor Romney went down against the Aggies up in Logan. But so I'm worried about what will happen after Jaron Hall. Uh, You know, Baylor Romney is in the portal. are they going to bring in, you know, an I uh, or uh, which one is it? Isaac, Micah, which is the quarterback? Uh, Isaac Corner Canyon. Isaac, um, you know that I, you know, BYU fans, I'm sure, ex- hoping for and expecting Isaac Wilson. He just got an offer from Miami today. Uh, he also has an Oregon offer, so there's no guarantee that Isaac Wilson is going to come to BYU. It'd be awesome if he did. I think BYU is probably the favorite as it stands right now, just because of the history of his three older brothers all coming to BYU, but. Uh, it concerns me what's going to happen after Jaron Hall. Can Conover take that next step? Can he, you know, despite not really getting some game action, be the guy once Jaron Hall leaves? And I think we'll find out in 2022, just because Jaron Hall's yet to play an entire season healthy, yet to be able to string together 12 straight games. Uh, and as it stands right now, you know, Conover's probably the second string. Cade Finnegan, the transfer from Boise State's probably right on his tail. Um, so it'll be interesting to see which of those two guys is the backup if and maybe when Jaron Hall goes down this season. Because, again, you know, if I'm playing the odds here, he's going to miss some time this season. And, and who's going to be that guy? Is it going to be Conover? And what's he going to show us? As it regar- as it, in regards to Jackson Dart, I mean, look, the kid was a multi- multi-game starter for USC as an 18-year-old true freshman. And the Pac-12 at the highest profile team in the Western United States in USC, right? Like he wasn't going to be jumping at the chance to come to BYU. A, it's a significant change in lifestyle going from the starting quarterback in, you know, Los Angeles, California (laughs) to then going to Provo, Utah. And I know he's a Utah kid, but uh, what 18 year old doesn't get a taste of life in Southern California and think, you know, what I really could go for right now or I'm in Provo. Um, Which is exactly what I did out of high school, just just so everyone's away. You had lived there. You had lived there for multiple years, right? You, you weren't an eighteen-year-old right, right. kid experience, experiencing freedom and uh, independence in L.A. as a starting USC quarterback. Um, so I, I'm sure I don't know if he was jumping at the chance to go to Provo. As if I say that, as if Oxford, Mississippi, is necessarily any better. Um, <laughs> But he also, I'm sure, wasn't jumping at the bit to sit a year behind Jaron Hall. You know, I'm sure he wasn't ecstatic at the chance to go from being a starter as a true freshman to then being a backup as a sophomore at, you know, it's not to say that obviously on the field, BYU has been better than USC over the past few years, but BYU is not the program that USC is. It's not as high profile of a team as the Trojans. And so going from the starter at at a team like USC to being the backup on a team like BYU, that's again, not the most enticing opportunity for a young quarterback. So if he does end up going to Ole Miss, which it seems like the signs are pointing that he's going to head to Oxford and play for Lane Kiffin. You know, I think that's probably makes a little bit more sense when you're looking at it from not a BYU fan standpoint. Um, the one thing that's interesting to me is seems like Lane Kiffin, every coaching vacancy that opens up across the country, uh, he's always kind of throwing his hat in the ring, whether trolling on Twitter or not. Um, so it's interesting to, you know, you're leaving a program because their head coach got fired. They brought in a new guy who brought in his own quarterback or is looking to bring in his own quarterback. And now you're going to a program that every single offseason you're going to have to deal with questions regarding is my head coach going to stay here? Is he going to take a different job in college football? Is he going to take an NFL job, right? Um, so I think that's the most interesting thing about the decision to go to Ole Miss because it checks every other box except for that one box of, look, you just had to deal with this, with this coaching turnover, and it made you transfer. And now you're going to have to deal with that probably every offseason with the possibility of your coach leaving, whereas you probably wouldn't have to deal with that at BYU. Yeah, is it – is it the end of the world? Um, no, I think I think when I first started seeing the tweets, like, and I kind of felt like it was. Um, but like the further and further away I've gotten from the announcement that he's apparently enrolled at Old Miss, um, 
lots of feelings of gratitude. Uh, Hunter hit it right on the head. I think one of the biggest concerns about Jackson Dart not coming to BYU is the fact that now 2023, uh, our first year in the Big 12, we're not entirely sure who our quarterback's going to be yet. Um, where the last couple of years, it's been, you know, Zach Wilson, uh, Jaron Hall, uh, if and when, as Hunter said, Jaron went down, we had Baylor Romney. I mean, this has been a QB room that has been very, very good to BYU fans and Cougar Nation as a whole. And so to kind of go to where, you know, you potentially add Jackson Dart and that string of great quarterbacks just continues, uh, we now have a question mark. That's not to say that, you know, as Hunter said, like that Jacob Conover can't be the guy or that Cade Finnegan can't be the guy. Uh, we just don't know. We don't know if they can be the guy yet or not. Um, I think as a fan, it's a little frustrating uh, to see a hometown kid uh, continue to stay away from home, um, to to decide to leave L.A. And I've never been to Mississippi, but to decide to go down to the really hot and really muggy South rather than to come home and be closer to family. Uh, but I mean, that was his decision to make, right. And if that's where he wants to go, then, you know, more power to him. And, you know, we hope that he has success wherever he goes, but as, as a BYU fan, I think um, it's easy to be concerned because we don't know who we're going to have in 2023. Um, but me and Joe were talking earlier. Joe made a great point that, that Aaron Roderick has done a good job of making an offense that is very quarterback friendly. Uh, so if nothing else, we know that whoever our quarterback is in 2023, he's going to be with an offensive coordinator that has made an offense designed to help him succeed. Um, I obviously, we wish it was Dart, um, but whoever it is should be able to take the reins and have some success, uh, barring he understands the offense and can get the ball out quickly. Yeah, absolutely. As far as like, I mean, I have a couple thoughts on this. First, as far as Dart goes, all the power in the world, like more power to him, man. Like I'm, I'm stoked that he's, if he does end up at Ole Miss, He's going to a place that I feel like the offense suits him perfectly. Um, he's going to be really successful, you know, wherever he chooses to go. I like as, and as successful as he would be in BYU's offense, I think he'll be equally successful with, uh, with a guy like Lane Kiffin. Um, I think their, their style of play suits each other perfectly. And it's a program on the rise in the SEC. So like, I, I can't really fault him for, uh, you know, for going to a, to a program that's on the rise. And so that's pretty much all I'll say about him. Um, but as far as like BYU goes specifically in the future, I think a little earlier, I, I talked to myself off the ledge. I went through the five stages of grief pretty quickly um, and, and rapidly came to acceptance of BYU's quarterback room is, is going to be fine as long as the following two things are true. Aaron Roderick runs the offense and John Beck continues to work with the quarterbacks in the offseason. Like, as long as those two things are true, Aaron Roderick's average, like, before – oh, man, where is that? I should have pulled this up before. But um, before uh, – uh, before BYU – or before Aaron Roderick, uh, you know, took over the quarterback role um, – at BYU in 2018, um, the average quarterback rating for BYU quarterbacks was something in like the one, like high 130s, maybe 140s. Since he took over the job, the average quarterback rating is like one, like high 150s, 160s. Jeez. Like that is that is absurd. The amount of um, improvement that BYU quarterbacks have made, and keep in mind that's not just like one or two quarterbacks. That's Tanner Mangum. That's Zach Wilson. That's Baylor Romney. That's Jaron Hall. Um, so as far as like the future of the quarterback room goes, like no matter who BYU lines up in their center, the offense is so friendly that there's still going to be dudes wide open. Um, and uh, like, as long as the quarterback can get it there, I'm not really worried. Um, what I do think we need to do is I do think we need to temper the expectations a little bit around guys like Jacob Conover. 
I know that like we, we hype up all the time that like, Oh, he had an Alabama offer. Like he said, no to Nick Saban. Like, that's not really how the story, like that's not always how the story goes. Like, yes, he was, he was a highly tied recruit. Yes. He was like fantastic in high school, but like, we need to, we need to temper the expectations and understand that he's not going to be uh, like, he, he, he might not be, you know, the second coming of Jim McMahon. Like he just, he just might not be. Um, the, the way that things look right now, um, like certain people I've talked to inside the program, um, he, he's been good, but he's not like, he wasn't nipping at Baylor Romney's heels or anything like that. Um, and honestly, the quarterback that like inside the program they're most excited about right now is actually Cade Fennigan. Uh, you'll remember Cade Fennigan from, uh, from the Boise state game. Um, he wasn't very good, but like he was a fourth string walk on quarterback, like two months off his mission. Hey, but he held BYU and that's what matters. So, right. Yeah. So he's, he's <laughs> definitely, uh, he's committed to the team. Yeah, exactly. But like dude's got an arm, like he's got ability. You look at some of those throws he had to Khalil Shakir at the end of the game. Like, yeah, the game was well in hand, but like, as the game went along, he improved. And I think a lot of our opinions are based off of that one game around Cade Finnegan. So like, so the question is, is like, can Jaron Hall stay healthy? I think this season is really going to revolve around that. Like if he can't stay healthy, I get a little bit nervous. Um, if Jaron Hall can stay healthy, then I, I don't see any reason BYU couldn't win 10 games this year uh, with, with the current schedule. But if he does get hurt, honestly, it, it could be for the best just because it'll give whoever the backup is this season – it'll give them reps and progress towards 2023. Jaron technically still has eligibility, but he's like 24 years old. I'm sure he's ready to move on to the next stage, whether it be the NFL or something else. So he's got another year of eligibility, but I don't necessarily think he's going to come back. But whatever experience the quarterbacks can get this year is going to be huge. Um, And like, no matter who it is, Kate Fennigan, Jacob Conover, I think they're going to be successful or it could be someone that comes out of the transfer portal next year, or we pick up a a surprise, a surprise recruit in in this cycle. Uh, But whatever it is, as long as Aaron Roderick is running the show, BYU's quarterbacks are going to be just fine. Um, We, we should not be judging Jacob Conover based off of 10 throws against Utah state or based off the fact that he's got an Alabama offer, let's just let it play out and remember that Aaron Roderick turned Baylor Romney, a walk-on with one Division One offer, into what looked like the second coming of Zach Wilson. So, like, I have faith that as long as he's at the helm, our quarterback situation is going to be fine, uh, whether or not Dart ends up coming to BYU. But if he does, like, he might be the most talented quarterback recruit BYU's ever had come through. But let's also remember BYU's history with four-star quarterback recruits. Uh, <laughs> Jake Heaps was awesome. <laughs> Jake Heaps was the goat. Uh, played in the NFL, <laughs> which People is more than I can that. say. People forget that. Uh, but like, just because someone has a high star rating, it doesn't auto- like some of BYU's best quarterbacks ever were very low recruits. So like, Jaron Hall was a mid-three star. Baylor Romney was, you know, a walk-on. Zach Wilson was a mid three star. So let's, let's move away from looking at who these guys were in high school and more just focus on what's on, what's on the team now and what's on the team. Now I have confidence in because of the coaching staff we have in place. But uh, with that, um, let's move on to our awards. Uh, We, we talked about, uh, we we before we left we we had a bunch of different <laughs> awards uh that we had you guys vote on um we we had a lot of submissions for what to call them um but i think the one that was like unanimously our favorite was the hypesman awards uh um, men hypes mans well whatever it is whatever it is whatever you prefer hypes persons i don't know <laughs> uh but uh, yeah, with that, uh, Hunter, will you uh, play the awards music and list off our uh, list off our winners? Oh yeah! So, winner of the Beck to Harleen Play of the Year with an astounding ninety-three percent of the vote. I mean, no surprise here. The Tyler Algier Punch Out versus Arizona State. I'm shocked! I tell you, shocked. I mean. 
I don't think there was a close second one. I mean, clearly there wasn't a close second in this <laughs> voting. Um, but obviously when we were going through and trying to think of other plays that could rival that, there really wasn't any that came to mind for us that were truly on that level, um, which is why you see those other two, you know, Caleb Hayes and clinching tackle uh, versus USC and the Jaron Hall run uh, against Utah for the first down. But I mean, uh, clearly the people have spoken with a runaway victory, but I don't think that's much of a surprise to anyone. Not at all. Next one. The winner of the hype interview of the year, a little bit closer. Uh, if it was up to us, I think we all would have chosen Mason Wake's appearance on the Hype Train podcast. Heard it was great. If you haven't listened to it, you should listen to it. Um, but Uriah Leotoa on BYU TV after the win against Utah, where he said he was going to go to church. So, shout out. Shout out to church. No, there's one. That would have been my uh, Shout winner. out to Joseph Smith in Jigba. <laughs> the winner of the hype moment of the year three options here only two of them actually even got any votes no votes for byu beating bronco and uva in that shootout of course get bronco this, this is a surprise to anyone but the uh, hype moment of the year with 64 percent of the vote byu beating utah ending the streak I actually thought that one would be closer between the second option, which was BYU getting the Big 12 invite. Um, but the fact that those happened in the same week, honestly, should be its own hype moment in and of itself. So, Moving on to the newcomer of the year. Your three nominees, Jacob Robinson, the Nakua brothers, Caleb Hayes. It was a little bit unfair to put two Nakua brothers as one option because uh, they ran away with the vote as well, 95%. <laughs> to the Nukua brothers as the newcomers of the year. The Jamal Honestly, Williams- I'm gonna miss Samson so bad. Like, can I just say that real quick? Like, one year was not enough. I keep if hoping we're gonna find- the, Go ahead, You could sorry. vote on the most missed player of the year. Next year, it'll be Samson Nakua. Oh yeah. Um, the winner, of the Jamal Williams Swag and Charisma Award, speaking of Samson Nakua, is Samson Nakua. 89% of the vote. Of course. Like, I mean, again, another runaway that I don't think any of us. <laughs> I don't uh, know how we picked questions that just like have these obvious answers <laughs> to them. We need, we, I, need, we, need, we need writers next year. I try to think of like fun and creative ones. This one is close. This next one's close. The Christian Stewart Stepped Up When Needed Award. Your three nominees are Jackson McChesney, Baylor Romney, and Campbell Barrington. The winner of the award with 38% of the vote, Baylor Romney, which unfortunately won't be a two-time winner because uh, enter the transfer portal. So we'll see if, it, if can, can Jacob Conover be the award-winning Christian Stewart award next year. We'll see, we'll see. Uh, the Piesman, Joe Wheat's favorite award. Your nominees, mm -hmm. Joe Tukulafu, Mason Wake, and Clark Barrington. The winner, again, should have won the hype interview of the year, but Mason Wake, 65% <laughs> of the vote. Your defensive player of the year. So now we're getting to the uh, MVPs of the team. Your nominees, Ben Bywater, Malik Moore, and Peyton Wilgar. The winner with 45.5% of the vote is Peyton Wilgar. Which, again, can we put some respect on Ben Bywater's name? guy led BYU he, in like all the major categories. He won the Electoral College. Yep. Not the, yeah, didn't get the popular. <laughs> the popular vote. <laughs> I was going to make a comparison, but I won't. Good call. We stay out of politics <laughs> in this podcast. Uh, the Offensive Player of the Year, your nominees, Jaron Hall, Clark Barrington, and Puka Nakua with 74.5% of the vote. The quarterback, of course, the captain, Jaron Hall. And one guy that we left out of the Offensive Player of the Year voting because we knew that he was going to run away with this next award like he ran away from defenders all season long <laughs> with 96.5% of the vote for the 2021 Hype Train MVP, Tyler Algier. And Woo! those are your Hypesmans. I, I like Hypesmans the best, I think. That's, the how can you say that combined. out loud just felt right? Combine the men and the plural <laughs> S at the end. Uh, one of the other favorites, just to shout it out, was the uh, All Aboard Awards. I thought that was pretty clever. That was a great one, too. 
Shout um, out to that guy. The one I did not like was the Wheaties. Seemed a little yeah. mean spirited. <laughs> There's other people on this podcast. <laughs> they did say they did say the Hunties, which is weird because that's what like my aunt called me when I was a kid. So that I don't know. I don't think that was my aunt who put that suggestion. But, <laughs> um, and then the Levies was another one. So that was all by the same person. So at least they did. They did get all three of us. Um, <laughs> but they did. They did. They did lead it off. They let it off with the Wheaties, then said the Hypies, and then did the Hunties so, and the Lovies. So, is what, <laughs> so he so was is like what... the Wheaties or something generic for everyone, <laughs> or I guess like the other two guys. Yeah. So is what happened. He like submitted the there whoever it was. They submitted the uh, the entry and then just thought at the last second, oh crap, I forgot the I, other guys. I should probably include that. Probably was you. In all honesty, Joe, with your with your Monsters Inc. memes, I, you were on I a kick that fifth. week. Yeah. I plead the fifth. Uh, I mean, I yeah. already won the West Coast College football account. Why not uh, rig my own elections? And Fox Sports, I think. Yeah, anything that trolls. Yeah, Colin Coward, <laughs> essentially. Colin Coward is Joey. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, shout out, shout out to the people that uh, went and voted. I know we yeah. kind of dropped the ball on promoting it after the first time we sent something out, but shout out to yeah. those of you who... Uh, Went and voted. Uh, in hindsight, it probably would have been nice to like collect some email addresses and maybe give something away to someone who voted, or like give something away to the person who gave us the award name. But you know, what can you do? Didn't didn't uh, put a put your email address in uh, option. It's a young it's form, a young podcast. So. Yeah, next year we're, maybe. we're learning. Next year, next year. Look, I already gave away two tickets. How many ticket giveaways can you expect? <laughs> Anytime either of us don't use our season tickets. <laughs> hey, uh, you guys would like these. Here you go. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, speaking of season tickets, uh, the basketball team is uh, is playing right this second. I, um, thought, I thought you were about to pitch people on buying season tickets. Speaking of, that, I, I have... I, it was a logical been, jump. I should have said basketball season tickets, but well, it, I've been trying to you know push tickets for work, right? Like we have our home opener in just over a month for rugby, so I will shameless plug. If you haven't gotten your tickets, get your tickets. Utah Warriors rugby. Shout out. Um, Can you take me to a game this year? I, I've never yeah. honestly been to a rugby match. Like, yep. Take me. Take me too. Look, I'm not gonna say you know I'm not gonna go out here and toot my own horn or the team's horn, but. uh Got some dudes. Got some some good players uh, this year. So if you if you do want to get into rugby, now's your chance. Again, I'm not using this podcast to promote other stuff, but we are we, technically this recording platform is owned by the Utah Warriors. So like that's the least we could do. Um, but I thought in my but since I've been pushing people to buy season tickets on like social media and stuff, when you said speaking of season tickets, you can get your. I thought you're then naturally in my brain it led into. You can get yours today. You know, you can yeah. get your BYU season tickets. Which you can't because I think they're sold out for BYU basketball because attendance has just been like insane. We're also, we're also happy through the year. So that would make sense. Yeah, very true. Um, but uh, not speaking of basketball because apparently that was an awful transition, but I tried. Give me, uh, <laughs> speaking of basketball. Uh, BYU basketball is playing right now. Uh, at this point, they are up 24-23 uh, to Santa Clara. Um, so far, this just feels like a regular BYU basketball game this year where I wouldn't say they start slow. I think college basketball is just like, it's going to be close most of the time. Like, unless you have a completely dominant team like Gonzaga, most of the time, every team you play with, especially ones as good as like San Francisco and Santa Clara, uh, they're going to hang with you. It's just kind of how it is. So as long as BYU pulls it out, it's going to be a really nice win. Quad two, um, 25% capacity, but I'll be honest, all I see in the crowd right now is, uh, is blue. So, <laughs> Which answers my question. I tweeted out because they said 25% capacity. So I said, how many of the 100 people that are allowed in are going to be BYU fans? Someone responded that said very few because according – to Greg Rubel, Santa Clara Hoops attendance policy states that permitted spectators will include home and visiting team passless members, men's and women's basketball season ticket holders, and 500 Santa Clara University students. 
So I don't know. If, apparently, BYU fans just bought up all the men's and I, women's basketball season ticket holders tickets. I don't know. I, I see some. I see some royal blue, but maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe they're just parents or something. But uh, that, I guess that would count as visiting team pass list members. But yeah, I mean they do have big families. So and 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 also. Uh, speaking of that kind of policy, can we just appreciate that the uh, Rams don't want the Niners taking over their stadium? And so it's limiting... not going to work, but they're it's going to gonna... anyway. <laughs> they're they're limiting they're limiting tickets for the playoff game this weekend to uh, uh, people in the greater Los Angeles area, uh, which is honestly hilarious because the last time they played, uh, 49ers fans took over SoFi. But I digress. Here, which, is on, which is hilarious in and of itself because like the I, like the tone deaf thing of being like, yeah, we're only going to sell people tickets in the greater Los Angeles area, not realizing that the people living in the greater Los Angeles area are the 49ers fans already. <laughs> like those, like those were the people that were at the first game. Yeah. Where there was all red. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you forget, think, you forget you, you were the St. Limiting, Louis. Yes, you think exactly. Limiting tickets to the greater Los Angeles area means that those are the Rams fans. Cause it's not. <laughs> Rams those fans are Cowboys, are all those are Cowboys, Raiders and 49er fans. Yeah, it's no, it's, as someone who grew up there, I can attest the Niners were my team growing up, uh, mostly because of Steve Young, but also because I liked uh, Terrell Owens. He was my boy. Yeah, I mean, um, for 30 years, your choices in California were pretty much the Raiders and the 49ers, and then the Cowboys do their training camp there. So everyone in California is a fan of one of those three teams. So by, by limiting it to your own city, you clearly don't know that no one in LA is actually a Rams fan. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but uh, the real the real question is, is should the Pac-12 initiate some kind of that similar policy when BYU comes to town? It wouldn't work for Utah because they can't even get their own fans there. No. They've, again, no, curtained off at the arena. Cool. That, that, that Deseret News article the other day just broke my heart about how bad attendance has been. And that's asking the question like, will it ever get better? Uh, losing nine straights not helping i no but they were oh god i was just gonna say i would love to see if they you know if they put it to a specific area i would just love to see the country realize that this whole time they've been talking about how good byu fans travel that when they limit it to the area around these universities that these are like byu fans truly just live everywhere and And so they're all the BYU fans in that region. It's like, nice. You just opened it up for an entire stake to buy tickets. And there's still <laughs> going to be a ton of, there's still going to be a ton Look, of BYU fans B- there. BYU, BYU could play in Buffalo, New York, and they could say only people in the greater Buffalo area. And you'd still get a few hundred BYU fans there from the <laughs> yeah, local yeah. wars and stake. <laughs> like it's not, it's not a problem that goes away by limiting it to distance. Yeah. Well, it won. That's why independence worked. And two, I, it's that like BYU is the same pitch in that way as Notre Dame in that. Yeah. Like we're everywhere. So yeah. uh, we're obviously not at the scale of Notre Dame, but like we're everywhere. So I, even, uh, even the Mormons who didn't go to BYU are still going to show up in Royal blue and cheer on BYU. Oh, for, for, sure. the, most for the most part. For the most part. For sure. Um, but that was another fun article this week was uh, John Wilner saying how uh, uh, BYU going to the Big 12 is going to cause scheduling problems for the Pac-12 because uh, BYU has been such a great scheduling partner. That that just makes me so happy. BYU Go. remains undefeated against the Pac-12. Undefeated in this decade. What a <laughs> life. Um, but oh, we're talking it. about we were talking about BYU basketball. I uh, wanted to talk about them a little bit since uh football season's over um i have this and of course i'm going to tie it back to football anyway but (laughs) i have this theory and let me know if you guys feel the same i feel like this byu basketball team resembles the football team in so many ways where they just win ugly like it doesn't matter who they're playing they're gonna win and as i say that they're losing by one almost at the half but like (laughs) they they win they're 17 and four. They're one spot out of the top 25. Like they're a good team and they do this to everybody, but like, they just can't blow anyone out. And I don't understand why, but it's like, 
it feels very similar to the football team this year where the strategy has just kind of been like grind it out. We'll beat you every which way. We just won't beat you by 50. Um, <laughs> which, you know, speaking of winning by 50, how about the women's basketball team? We'll talk about in a second. I was gonna they say, will beat you by 50. They're taking, yeah, they're, all, they're, they're taking all the blowouts right now. They, they, yeah. All the, all the points that uh, was reserved for BYU's basketball team. Um, but no, like, I don't know, like Alex Barcelo is the Tyler Algier where he's just like the the heady veteran who just like when you need someone to take over at the end of games, he's your guy. Uh, like, I don't know. I, I was talking to Jason about it and like I had this entire list of like players that resembled each one. But like the one we couldn't quite figure out is who is the Spencer Johnson of the like, who is Spencer Johnson's comp on the BYU football team? Gutter Romney. Max Cooley? I was thinking Ben Bywater. Like, comes off the bench, really good defensive uh, plug-in guy when you need him. But I got to go with Gunnar Romney because Gunnar Romney will come into the game, just catch like an 80-yard bomb, and then just like (laughs) won't do anything for the rest of the game. (laughs) And that's Spencer Johnson where he comes off the bench, like bangs a couple threes, and then you're just like, where? Spencer Johnson hasn't put up a shot in the last eight minutes. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's just something that's kind of been on my mind of like, don't be frustrated just because like, you're not blowing teams out. Just appreciate the wins. Like, especially in college basketball where style points don't matter. Uh, just win. Like, so let's, let's hope that BYU comes through, uh, to finish off the night, but I got to ask yeah. if we're, if we're, I, I need to hear the player comp for foes. Oh man. He's got to be someone on the offensive line, right? Joseph Smith and Jigba. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Who was the one we had for Foose? I honestly can't Mason, remember. Mason Wake. It, it's not the same type of swag and attitude, but, like, if I had to pick, he's he's the Nakua's. Like, he just brings in a, a new type of feeling the that, unexpected energy yes like just everything he does is it's fun to watch um he's obviously not as for lack of a better term as flamboyant as the the nakuas are um but eccentric he, yes thank you that's a that's a great word he's not as eccentric he's not as loud um but he does kind of bring that attitude uh to a byu basketball team that with injuries has really really needed that so I, I don't know. My player comp might be the Nakua's with Foose. It's the smile, man. It really is. Love <laughs> Foose. Um, one other thought I was having too. There's been a lot of hate. Uh, sorry, there's been a lot of hate on Caleb Loner this season. I don't like it. Like, I think we just need to adjust our expectations on Caleb Loner and just accept the fact that he's Dalton Nixon. Like, he's he's a more athletic Dalton Nixon. And I think oh, once like, we, uh, I, I think once we accept that, we'll like him a lot more because I think we expected him to be like this eighteen a game guy, and he's just not. Like if if it wasn't for him, like BYU is one of the best rebounding teams in the country, and he's a huge reason why. Like he's just he's willing to do all the dirty work, um, and I still like him a lot. Like his offense has really really struggled this year, um, but it's come along better in the last couple of weeks since the Gonzaga game. But, like, I think we just need to adjust our expectations of what we want Caleb Loner to be. So that's my basketball hot take for it, for the episode. If I can plug uh, Caleb Loner, um, there, I watched an interview of his on BYU Sports Nation. I believe it was yesterday. Um, and he was talking with uh, Jerem and Blaine Fowler. And first and foremost, Caleb Loner is very well-spoken. I mean – that's not to say that that's necessarily a surprise, but he's just a great interviewer uh, cares a ton about his teammates. And I think the one thing that stuck out to me the most is he kind of, he kind of pulled the curtain back a little bit to kind of let us into what's been happening. Like with him uh, specifically within the offense, he was kind of supposed to play three. They lose two centers. um, And now he's moved over to five or to the four. And then sometimes he has to play the five. Uh, two positions that he's not totally familiar with. I mean, I know he's a big dude, but I mean, the three was kind of what he was expected to play at BYU. 
Um, and it wasn't even, but the thing that impressed me the most was all of that information that he was sharing was not presented as an excuse. He actually fell back more on this idea that he told Coach Pope, I am going to do whatever it is I need to do in order for this team to win. Uh, one of those big things, as Joe mentioned, is rebounding. Um, but it's also knowing that there's other guys right now that have a, a hot hand and that his offense is not necessarily what's needed at the moment. Um, but that can change later down the road. Um, and, and I think that's one thing that we as Cougar Nation need to understand is, is this as a guy that's playing out of position, uh, but doing his darndest and doing a pretty good job at it, uh, regardless of how new he is with it. And so I, I was just really impressed with that interview. If you guys want to watch it, it's like it's like 12 minutes. Uh, shares a lot of great things about uh, Foose and the rest of the team. But I think to Joe's point, I think he's done – uh, plenty uh, to help this team win, even if it's not always putting the, the ball in the net, which is something actually that he's improved, I feel like, over the last two, three games. So, Caleb Lohner is the Tanner Mangum of BYU basketball. Oh, I just, I think he's the Chaz Ayu. Like, in light of, in light of what... Well, currently, yes. In light of what Trevor's saying, like, moving around positions, and that's kind of the reason for some of the struggles... Like that's definitely that seems like the better comp, but like also Hunter, yes, wow, Tanner Mango. Thanks for <laughs> roasting my comp before I even made it. Uh, no, I, I agree. Did what was necessary for the team to win, but also not particularly great on. Never mind. Well, came in early, <laughs> lots of expectations, had some flashes this freshman year, right? Like I think that yeah. Utah game last year for Caleb Loner was like a bright spot. Like he showed some flashes, and then just hasn't improved since. Like, that was Tanner Mangum. Came in as a freshman, had his flashes against Nebraska, Boise State, and then just never really got much better. Um, yeah. And yet now that Tanner is away from the program and it's left, BYU fans look back and think, you know, he wasn't the best. Like, he didn't live, necessarily live up to expectations. But, like, he was a good quarterback. He was a good teammate. He was a good mentor for Zach Wilson. Uh, and I think, you know, once Caleb Lohner does eventually leave the BYU program, BYU fans will look back at it and say, you know, he wasn't the best. He didn't necessarily live up to the expectations. And again, this is all basing it off the fact that he kind of continues doing what he's been doing. Obviously, there's still a lot of time for him to make that jump, kind of like Dalton Nixon did before senior year, where he couldn't make a three and then was one of the best three-point shooters on the team his senior year. Like, Caleb Rollner still has time to make that jump. So I'm not saying he's oh, not going sure. to. But if he continues to kind of just be the guy he's been the last two years, I think when he leaves, BYU fans will look at it as a Tanner Mangum situation where it's, you know, he wasn't the best. He didn't necessarily live up to expectations. I wish he could have been better, but he still was a solid player. He still did what he needed to do to win game to help us win games um, and was a good teammate and, you know, a good mentor for some of these guys on the team. So that's my comp. I think you're right, Joe, in the sense that, you know, Chaz is a similar story where he comes in as a highly rated recruit hasn't hasn't necessarily lived up to expectations but a lot of that is due to the fact that he's constantly being moved around and changing positions so both comps i think are good for sure uh moral of the story i love this byu basketball team they're not going to be as flashy as they were in 2020 but like they just win baby um and with that it's 39 37 at the half gideon george is having a nice little run there at the end of the half so love gideon george gideon well. george is one of those other guys too i think he needs to, he needs His, to uh take that next step right i think the last couple games his development is a three-point shooter like he's kind of like yawn he's like byu's Giannis, where if he could just develop a consistent three-point shot he's going to be a problem but like he, it, he struggled early in the year he's never going to be like a 40 percent guy but if he could be like a 30 percent guy like i was going to say not even consistent in the sense of like 35% <laughs> but like consistent in like 30%. If if he could be that where you have to respect it, like where you just can't leave him wide open, his handle is good enough that he can get to the rim. So i yeah, he's another one of those guys where like again, he's young, he's going to get there. Um just might take some time. Um but let's talk about the best basketball team on campus here for a quick second. The BYU women's basketball team Here's a ridiculous stat. With with tonight's win over Santa Clara, they have more 30-point wins, five, than single-digit wins, three. They 
are not just winning, they are dominating. <laughs> uh, so if you haven't been out to a game this year, this is the year, man. Like that, that team is, is nasty uh, with, with the, with the people that they got with Shayla Gonzalez and Paisley Harding and uh, Sarah Hansen. And there was some, there was one other that I, her name is, is escaping me right now, but she's like a double, double machine. Lauren Gustin. Yeah. yeah I was going to say Gustin. Porter, Porter Gustin's little sister. Yeah. Yeah. Animal. Uh, BYU women's basketball has not played a single digit game since December 10th, according to Jerem Jordan. So it's been a month, month and a half since BYU won a game by single digits. And I think they only have, and they only have one loss. So it's not like they've lost games. They've been winning every game and it's all been by double digits since December 10th. It's yeah. They're so good. They're so good. That team is the truth. I remember my sophomore year, like a guy on the track team who I was teammates with was actually dating uh, Paisley Johnson at the time. And so there were a couple of times where we actually helped with practice. Um, We went as kind of stand-ins. And I remember watching Paisley and being like, yo, like she, she's legit. And then we came in um, (laughs) and then next year they bring in Shaylee Gonzalez and everyone's like, she's even better. And it's like, there's no way, but then she is. And now they're adding in like Lauren Gustin. I mean, this is just a team that is loaded, like absolutely loaded with talent. Um, and so to how many, how many times did Paisley break your ankles? Mine? Not often. Cause I was guard. I think I was, I think I was in charge of guarding uh, Sarah. Hanson. Um, oh, the real question. In that in that case, how many times she <laughs> yeah. dunk on you slash block you? That's the real no, question. She, she was. She's good. Uh, I mean, there's a reason she's a, she's a good defender. They're they're all incredibly talented. And uh, but no, it's just, Shaylee. You, Shaylee you could and, stack uh, me and Trevor on top of each other, and we still couldn't <laughs> get a shot over Sarah Hanson. Yeah, Paisley. And I will tell you this, Maria. Uh, I want to make sure I say her name right. Maria Albiero. She will, she will snatch your ankles. Like you, you will, if you are committed too much to one side, uh, she will, she will take your knees. Uh, she's just an excellent ball hander. I mean, that whole team is, is really, really good. So to be able to see the success that they're having, um, just to see that that talent's all kind of meshing together as well as it is. It's, it's awesome to see. It's, it's all starting to click in my head. Was that the real cause of your Achilles injury? <laughs> no that that oh. was like that was important a year and questions a half later maybe that was a year and a half later <laughs> uh, i don't know hunter what do you think i, I think that's suspect. In. i mean he says he talks about maria like he he knows from experience ankles she, she, snatched she, she was a great Achilles take snatch <laughs> yeah let, snap. let it be known Achilles that snapped. she 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 ruined the d1 career <laughs> of one trevor levitt let it tweet it out <laughs> I'm coming. I'm coming for that NIL money, Maria. Come on. <laughs> gets oh, oh man. Compensation. Fun time. Still a fun time to be a Cougar. Uh, things are good. Women's basketball is in the top 20. Um, if BYU can take care of business tonight, it's looking like they'll be in the top 25 as well. Can, uh, continuing. Oh, what was it? No, Did ahead. I miss one? Um, women's volleyball is in the top 10. And BYU, we didn't even talk about this. We buried the lead. Was the number one, according to the uh, the Learfield Directors Cup, was the number one athletic department for the fall of 2021 in the country. So, if there was ever a time to be on the hype train, man, we are BYU is in everything school. Let it be known throughout the four corners of the West, as uh, Gandalf would say. <laughs> and you really buried the lead here. If we're talking everything, uh, BYU's Andrew Pintar, BYU baseball. West Coast Conference preseason player of the year. Let's go. Look. Cash Hunter and I at games this year in our matching jerseys. I'm just going to say this. The cool kids are going to BYU baseball games this spring. Like, that's that's where the party's going to be at. Seriously. I don't know when do they start home games in late March, hopefully. Late March. I think they're on the road for like the first month and a half because I can't play baseball here in February. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, the cool kids are all going to be at Miller Park watching BYU baseball this year. So catch me and Joe, Trevor probably too. Uh, yeah, BYU I'm, I'm waiting to spring. be invited, guys. I mean, yeah, I mean you on. didn't get the matching jersey. <laughs> let it, 
Yeah. Is that Trevor, what I needed to do? Come on. Let, let it be, be known on. that you turned down the opportunity to watch a game with me tonight because of Netflix. So let that be known. Oh. I turned down an opportunity to watch the game with you because of family. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just playing. Uh, but no, yeah, seriously, like come hang out with us at a BYU baseball game this year. Uh, there'll be a lot of fun, but uh, best that, backdrop in baseball. Absolutely. Hands down. Um, it's gorgeous. Hey, oh, oh, there it is. No one else can see this, but uh, the BYU number 25 too. Jersey, all in auction. I don't, I 25. There's no connection there, but uh, looked at the roster and I had to find someone that matched my height and weight so that I could fit, find one that fit. Newsflash. I have uh, some weight dropping to do before I fit into that, before spring rolls around. Same, same, but, uh, bro. I put I put on that thing and like, I, it could button, but like, I'm not, I'm not necessarily tight. a heavy, I'm not a heavy guy, but like that thing was, I'm definitely wearing what that What size thing is open. yours? Oh, it says it's a large, but like, it's See, not. I got, see, mine's the same thing. Like mine's an XL, I think it fits like a large. So uh, the race is on before BYU home baseball home games start to, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 pounds. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, all, I, mean, all I got 25 and 27, and Trevor blew you it on 26. 26. Trevor. What's wrong sorry, with you? Sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. And with that, thank you guys so much for joining us here on the BYU Hype Train Podcast. Uh, we're, we're so happy to be back. We love being with you guys. Um, and uh, we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days.